Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, November the 16th, and we're going to start off by hearing briefly from the PM, who's having to isolate after coming into contact with someone who's now tested positive for coronavirus. It doesn't matter that I'm fit as butcher's dog, feel great, uh, so many people do in my circumstances, and actually it doesn't matter that I've had the disease and I'm bursting with antibodies. Boris Johnson certainly isn't the only one who's having to take such action. In fact, it's something we now know has affected a fifth of schools in Kent. Stats given to the Kent Online podcast show one in five have reported a case since all pupils returned in September. That's 157 of the 685 schools across Kent and Medway. But the numbers could actually be much higher because they legally don't have to tell the council. Well, we've also heard today five Five schools in the county have decided to close for two weeks following outbreaks. They include Falston Manor and Oaks Infant School in Sittingbourne, as well as others in Dartford, Canterbury and Sheppey. Most classrooms have remained open during this lockdown, but some feel the government hasn't provided enough guidance to protect pupils from COVID-19. Alan Brooks is chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers. The, the main concern I think that head teachers have is that when the Prime Minister announced that all schools would remain open he didn't then go on to say and in order to make that possible and then provide a list of the sorts of things that schools are looking for to enable that to happen properly not just now but looking ahead as far as next summer's examination so there are a lot of very simple steps we think the department for education could make which would make it much better for schools for head teachers for everybody involved to deliver what we all want to deliver and we feel that we have been left out in the wind by the department. No extra funding has come in, no real thought about how exams are going to operate fairly next summer, and we fear they won't at this stage. Nothing about taking some of the pressures off head, so performance tables and Ofsted inspections starting again. We question very much why we've got Key Stage 2 SATs and phonic screenings still taking place in, in disrupted primary schools. And I think an immediate issue, particularly for those schools in Swale and Thanet within Kent, is the idea that we should look to some sort of rotor system for secondary schools because the numbers of cases are increasing quite dramatically within these schools at the moment. The frustration and the reason that we have created this letter and sent it to MPs is that we have not been listened to up until now. We have tried very, very hard to get the Secretary of State to engage with us. We have written to him on three separate occasions asking for a meeting, asking for a discussion and have had absolutely no response at all. So it's disappointing that the department who are meant to be championing education, who are meant to be on the side of schools, who say, and the government says, schools are an absolute priority, they don't seem to be demonstrating that by any attention to detail or any of the support that we think is essential if we are going to move this forward successfully. Um, obviously, you know, you touched on it briefly, the news uh, coming out of Wales regarding A-levels. Do you think that's something you'd want to see rolled out in the southeast? Do you think that's realistic? If the exams continue in the summer as they are planned to do, all it will be is a test of how much COVID was there in your area, what sort of community do you serve. It will not be a fair test for what the young people have learned and what the young people know. So there has to be a better way of doing it 
and we're very late in the day. We're heading towards December. We still have no contingency plans published by the government for assessment, centrally assessed assessment, moderated work, all the other things that could make it fairer for all young people. You can let us know what you think about this whole situation by commenting on the story at kentonline.co.uk or via our social media. Kent Online News. Some news from the police now, and a person's been hit with a screwdriver during a violent burglary in Canterbury. The victim was attacked while a safe was stolen from their home in Milton Close on Friday. The safe was found dumped near Dunkirk in Faversham yesterday morning. Elsewhere, police are investigating a series of anonymous attacks on a family in Maidstone. Paint has been thrown over vehicles at their home on Blendon Road, and a man was left needing hospital treatment after being punched in the face. We're told the assaults have been happening since September and officers are keen to speak to anyone with information. Meantime, police are hunting four men following an attack in Borough Green, which left a man needing surgery. He suffered a broken nose, suspected fractured jaw and severe bruising after being assaulted on Maidstone Road just over a week ago. Now, as the nights start to get a bit colder, a shelter is opening for homeless people in Thanet. In previous years, the council there has worked with local churches to provide accommodation for rough sleepers. This time, they've managed to secure the use of a single building, which will stay open 24 hours a day. It has 18 individual sleeping rooms and overspill for another 10 spaces. Lauren Oates is the project manager of the Winter Shelter. So with regards to provision this year, because it is 24 hours um, and the guests don't have to leave during the day, we are organising a range of meaningful and trauma-led activities that are um, specific to our particular guests' needs. So that will include literacy, uh, numeracy, um, creative engagement as well, because we think there's a lot of holistic benefit to that and life skills plus leisure time as well. And we feel that by doing that, not only will we build specific skills like with with life skills and such like, but also that it will help to increase the the self-esteem and self-belief that our guests will have and hopefully build build trust in the services that operate in order to help them to move on to to the next stages. You talk about that being a um, bit of a golden opportunity this year because of what's happened and it maybe has put things in perspective, you know, in a number of different ways. Do you do you hope that you'll be able to offer this same kind of support in future years now, now you're offering it this year? It's a very, very good question. And I think that at the moment we've been very focused on getting the winter shelter up and running because to put it into perspective, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't know where the shelter was going to be. And then we had this opportunity to come up with this particular venue and we've, we've, we've seized that. So a lot of our attention has been been placed on that. Um, but I also understand that there's other provision in from other services, um, for example, Paramount and the Legion project and the, and the such like that are addressing the longer term needs of the guests. But yes, we, we certainly do have um, ambitions to be able to to offer this kind of service again. So as Lauren said during the day, people staying there will be able to take part in a range of activities and education workshops designed to help them off the streets for good. Bob Porter is the Director of Housing at the Council. We're really pleased with the accommodation options we've got and one of the real benefits of the winter provision this year is that having it in one location uh, with space, with some communal space, means that there's day, there can be some daytime support as well and people don't have to leave the venue in the morning and then go back in the evening. So we think that gives us a real opportunity to do 
some much more intensive work with people and, and give us a much greater prospect of being able to get them into permanent housing uh, before the end of the projects. It's got individual sleeping rooms for every, every resident uh, and some communal space so there can be some daytime activities in a COVID secure way. And the shelter will open this time next week. Bus services in parts of Herne Bay won't be running at night after windows of vehicles were smashed four times in a week. Stagecoach bosses say the Westbrook farm area has become a no-go zone. It's thought the windows were shot out with an air rifle. Chances are you might have seen the Kent Online story over the weekend about James Jordan's anger at a golf club for refusing to refund his dad's fees despite his brain tumour diagnosis. Well, Bearsted Golf Club near Maidstone have now apologised and said Alan will be getting his money back. The 68-year-old was told earlier this year he was terminally ill. James has since tweeted saying he hopes the club have learned from their lack of compassion and the manager gets a good talking to. He added that the chairman had spoken to his mum. The leader of the Commons, Jacob Rees-Mogg, says he's urgently looking into ways to support virtual participation in Parliament after speaking to Chatham MP Tracy Crouch. She was unable to take part in a debate about cancer last week because she's currently at home recovering from the disease. An important meeting on Brexit, meantime, has been taking place today. It was to discuss how ready the Port of Dover and Eurotunnel are for the end of the transition period, which is now just weeks away. It says trade talks continue this week too. John Keefe from GetLink, who own Eurotunnel, was among those questioned by a select committee. We feel confident that the bits that we are responsible for will work perfectly come the 1st of January. Um, I have to say that given that the GVMS system is still in development and some other systems that the uh, UK government is uh, developing currently, like the Czech and HGV system, which will be essential for traffic running through the uh, short straits routes, and that they haven't been tested in real life yet, um, uh, and the testing is is planned for um, the middle of December, there has to be a degree of concern as to whether they'll be fully ready in time. The number of train services across Kent has been scaled back from today. Southeastern say they'll be running a reduced timetable due to less demand from passengers and to accommodate any staff that need to isolate. Bee-friendly bus shelters could start appearing across Kent as part of plans to help boost the population of the insects. Higham has already signed up to have one and it's hoped other parts of the county will follow. An existing shelter on the A226 will be replaced with one that has plants on the roof to attract pollinators. Susan Carey is the Cabinet Member for Environment at the County Council. About 40% of uh, agriculture in Kent depends on pollinators to to actually work. Uh, They're they're responsible for about a third of our food production. They're an integral part of it and their populations have been in decline Uh, and the problem is habitat uh, in particular and what we want to do with our plan b pollinator action plan is to mobilize everyone uh, to help the plight of the bumblebee and of course all the other pollinators 
and also to explain what we're doing as Kent County Council because um, we're, we're a big landowner here in Kent. We've got 5,000 miles of road as well as our country parks and other properties. So what is it we're doing to help? So can you explain a little bit then about what indeed the council is doing and then perhaps we can have a quick chat about what we can all do as the population. Well, one of the things we discovered when uh, Plan B was adopted formally last year was in fact there's quite a lot already happening I mean, way back in 1994 Kent Wildlife Trust and Kent, uh, Kent Highways uh, started the roadside nature reserves and these involve uh, volunteer wardens who look after a stretch of roadside that is managed to make sure it's pollinator friendly so it's cut at a particular time uh, and make sure that there is forage for the pollinators. So initiatives like that had been going on for, for some time uh, but we've all discovered that um, there are ways to help the bees and um, we've got an officer who's, who's dedicated to working on our Plan B action plan. She's working across the whole of the council but particularly with highways to see what we can do about the time of year that we cut the grass and also our use of pesticides. So I'm sure during lockdown in particular those of us lucky enough to have a garden have really appreciated it this year particularly with the good weather that we had at the start of 2020 being able to sit outside. I actually put up a, a bee box this year and, and really loved seeing them going in and out of there. Um, but you mentioned gardens, you don't have to have a massive garden or even a garden at all to be able to help out do you? That's absolutely right. A, a window box would make a difference. But there are opportunities for people to volunteer, both at our country parks and, as I mentioned before, the roadside nature reserves. Showbiz News Now and Kent's Harvey has made it through to another week of Strictly. He got the first 10 of the series after dancing the salsa with partner Jeanette on Saturday night. Max George became the latest celeb to leave the show after being beaten by Maisie Smith in the dance-off. And a panto put together by former Blue Peter star Peter Duncan is going to be shown at a Kent cinema. He's filmed Jack and the Beanstalk in his back garden so families can still enjoy a traditional part of Christmas. It'll be on at Blue Water from December the 11th. That's it for today, but don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app and that'll give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.